Have the desire to learn, but never enough time? Each month, we turn one of our webinars into a podcast, so you can listen to it anywhere at any time. This month's BC and NAV User Group Webinar of the Month is Ensuring a Smooth Transition to Business Central. And don't forget, as a user group member, you can access over 700 hours of on-demand learning at navog.com. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome, everyone, to the continuation of our Best of Focus 2019 series. Today, we have Val Gamero covering Ensuring a Smooth Transition to Business Central. Val, thanks for joining, and I'll let you take it away. All right. Thank you, Lori. Uh, hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Uh, happy to be sharing this information with you. As Laurie mentioned earlier, I highly recommend you join the user group as a contributor. I used to run my own chapter out in Austin before I joined the partner, and I do try to get involved as much as I can. Um, it is a community of users helping users and so forth, so you never know when you're sharing your data can help someone else. So uh, moving right along, like I said, like Laurie said, my name is Val, with Advanced Business Systems. I've been um, dealing with um, Business Central for over a year and a half, migrating people. Uh, we have migrated folks from QuickBooks, from uh, Nav as well, and uh, other, other things coming down the pipeline hopefully this year. So I'm going to be touching on some of the stuff we've learned, you know, from doing that in the year and a half that we've done been doing it. Um, so very briefly, this is going to be our agenda. I'm going to skip some of the stuff here that's more usually used to be done by our sales guys, so that will also shrink the amount of time we need to deliver this, so that'll be good. But uh, very briefly, uh, we're uh, ABS, is just, we're just a NAV partner, and we're one of the first people to start doing uh, Business Central before while it was still called Project Madeira. Uh, as you know, there's a lot of push to go into the cloud, whether it is uh, quote-unquote on-prem on Azure, or using the SaaS solution, Microsoft is definitely pushing in that direction. And it makes sense for some people, not for everybody. Obviously, everyone's going to be different. I think that'll never go away. There's always going to be people who need to have on-prem, on-prem, and other people who can be fully staffed, uh, regardless of business size. Okay. So let's move around here. Okay, so the difference is, when you're going into specifically uh, BC, the new BC, especially the SaaS model that we've been working with, uh, is the licensing is changed. There's no more perpetual license going forward. So that's something you'll have to take into account. If you are a current uh, NAV GP and SL user and you're current enhancement, you will have a 40% discount on those uh, licenses, and it is a per user per month license um, versus. Uh, you know, seat. We having used to have different seats, like 40, 40 licenses or 20 licenses, and was first come first serve. Now it is a named seat, so a named license, and you have to take all that into account. There's two different kinds of licenses: essentials and premium. And the difference is that the premium includes the service management, advanced warehousing, and manufacturing modules in BC, whereas essentials just has all the other basic stuff: GL, AP, AR, inventory, all that kind of stuff. And your team member license is essentially a limited license that does not let you post. That's basically the main difference between that and the other licenses. So if you have people in the warehouse, et cetera, they, can, they don't need to post journals or any transactions, then they can use the team member licenses. Also for clerks entering orders, et cetera, that, you know, a more 
in your personal then post. Um, so that's uh, the first thing. Obviously, the next thing is that you're, um, you're dealing with SaaS or you know online type of platform, whether it's Azure or SaaS, and so you have your domain and Office 365 considerations. Do you want to use single sign-on? Well, then you have to have Office 365 licenses for anybody who's going to sign on to your VC. Um, and then whether it's on-prem versus SaaS, obviously that's going to make a difference. So that's the first thing. If you want to do that, what kind of a instance do you have? Do you have a real Office 365? Or do you have it with uh, someone like GoDaddy, which is not really with Microsoft, so there's a migration that has to take place there? Or do you not even have it? You need to get started with it. So all those things need to be taken into account. Uh, if you already have a domain, we have to bring that over. It's pretty simple these days. Um, so it's just something to keep in mind. If you're going from GoDaddy or some type of thing like that, it does take a lot more work. And you want to make sure you back up all your Outlook files and your Exchange stuff your one drives all that and then connect to the new uh, tenant and then load all that stuff there's a whole bunch of steps involved in that and then we're going to mi migrate your master records which is your customers vendors items your chart of accounts uh, sometimes you can you can depending on the platform you're coming from you may need to review it like from quickbooks for instance they don't by default have account numbers but we have to have those and i'll go into some more of that uh, also because we have dimensions some systems that don't have that, you can use dimensions to shrink your chart of accounts. So instead of having, so you have a AR for different kinds of products on your chart of accounts, you can use a dimension for that product type and not and only have one AR account instead of multiple. So there's ways to make your chart of accounts more readable and still give you the information that your accounting execs need. Um, again, then we're going to go into open balances. Opening RP and inventory on hand, turning and testing, and then go live. So that's the basic stuff. We'll get into more details. Okay. So this I already talked about a little, a little bit. Other thing to keep in mind, and please do stop me if you have any questions. I uh, see a little red thing here. Hold on. Uh, oh, you cannot hear me? One second. Oh, no, this is late. Uh, okay, never mind. So we're fine. Okay, sorry about that. Okay, so the BC integration with Outlook, what that means is there is an Outlook add-on which lets you connect to your BC uh, SaaS, especially, and tenant. And so you can create orders, et cetera, if you're a salesperson. You can look at some of the history, quotes, all that from inside Outlook without having to leave Outlook. You can just, it'll just push it over into the SaaS environment. You also can integrate your 365 sales, or now called customer engagement, uh, formerly called CRM, with your Outlook and or your BC. So there's built-in synchronization in BC to CRM. It synchronizes your sales quotes, your orders, your posted invoices, um, unit prices, units of measure, all that kind of stuff. So if you're going to want that, you want to take that into consideration of what you're going to need to to set up before you do your before you do your migration. Um, okay, so when you're migrating master records, there's different ways. Microsoft does provide several add-ons or extensions, as they're called nowadays, in Business Central, the App Source 
app source is a like a Play Store or a you know Apple Store where you can download and install any number and a growing number of add-ons. Microsoft have provided things for GP, for SL, for QuickBooks, where it'll take a file or in the case of QuickBooks, also online, it'll transfer the data online. And they've been improving that as time has gone on. But you can actually migrate from any app that can export clear text or Excel files. So there's a Rapid Start is a technology that's been around since the nav days, which is also present in BC, and you can take copy and paste into those Excel files, and then you will upload that into, into BC. It is important if your accounting system, like I mentioned before, does not have numbered GL accounts, that you do do that because it is mandatory on the BC side. And scrub your data before importing into BC. This is probably the biggest pain point when I'm doing these migrations. And that is the use of special characters like commas in an address or double quotes. And when you're dealing with some of that, especially if you're trying to import CSV files and things like that, that tends to mess things up. Also, special characters in code fields, especially code fields like an account number, customer number, item number, that tends to mess things up. So ampersands, um, things of that nature. Uh, vertical bars are also used in as a special character in BC, so you have to be careful with those and make sure you clean it up. Uh, a lot of times also fields are too long, so most name fields or description fields are 50 characters long in BC, and if your system has more than that, you have to account for either, you know, just use shorthand to shrink that or just truncate the text or in some cases, there are two description fields, so you can split your descriptions into that. But just something to keep in mind. Um, so, and there's last line there, the balance that I brought over. It used to be that the uh, IIS files from QuickBooks would not bring in balances, but if you're now doing it directly from QuickBooks Online, it does bring in. I've not tested with GP or SL files. Um, actually, I don't believe that there's a file specific for those. I don't have actually tested how those work, but I can't talk to those, but I know specifically with uh, QuickBooks it was an issue. So if you're, going to, if you're planning on using one of those, uh, you have to keep in mind what idiosyncrasies there might be with that. In the case, if it's not brought in by that file, you can export it into a text file and then you upload it through you know, rapid start into a journal and then post that. That's normally how those balances and beginning balances and our open AR, open EP are posted normally anyways. And these are, you know, any these templates will be provided to you by your uh, your partner. So the chart of accounts uh, I mentioned four or five natural digital GL account numbers the default in um, in BC, but you can have anything you want. We tend to use larger numbers so that later on, if you want to add accounts in between, then you have a little more room to do that. You are able to do totalings, as you can see on that picture on the right hand side. You can do begin totals, end totals, or just put an end total formula, and that lets you have a, some totals on your chart of accounts, so you don't have to go to the financial report to see some of that information right off the bat. So it's for visibility purposes. Okay, and again, the, the dimensions. Uh, dimensions is just a tag that you tag on every transaction you want that you then use to analyze. And just a BC and NAV, work in a very specific way where you have your detailed reports go from your subledgers, the financial reports go from your GL. So 
generally your overview financials, you're going to look at the GL reports, your, um, your account schedules, as they're called. And then the detailed reporting off of the sub, uh, sub ledgers will give you more detail into specific items, how many items you sold of particular kind. But some people, some uh, accounting departments want to see everything in the financials. So you use dimensions to provide some of that information, such as department, cost center, product, territory, et cetera. Uh, so if your current system doesn't have dimensions, it's just a, a neat way to do it. So how to handle history. This is always, 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 always the biggest pain point or biggest want, um, especially for people who have been using their system for a long time and require a lot of the data analysis of their history. So everything can be done. You could, you could bring everything into Business Central, um, but so I'll get into the button in a minute, but the first thing I recommend is summary GL balances. And what that does is you could do monthly, you know, by year, for instance, for every account, for every department, or for, for each dimension code that you want to use, you can bring in that balance. And then that means you're going to have some ability to run financial reporting comparisons with previous years, but you're not going to have all the details. So this doesn't take too much time. You take some planning to make sure you have the dimensions the way you want them, and then you have your your summary gel balances. Uh, you know, by at the end of the month, for instance, you know, last day of the month, or even the first, either way. And so you can run your financial reports, and that you're just going to load several journals. You know, say one per year for all every single month, and you would load those journals, and you'd post them to prior periods, and then you'd have that. And in BC, you can post the prior period. Uh, even though you close the year, you can still post it. It just marks everything as a as a correction. But other than that, you can still do it so long as you have date permissions to do it. Um, so for detailed transaction history, we don't recommend this because it's just a lot of work and there's a lot of moving parts that you have to consider. You can do it, and you have two ways of doing it. You can do it simply just by doing journal entries, at which point you're not going to have the item level detail, and so that's less cumbersome, but you can still hit your customer ledger, your vendor ledgers, just have one invoice uh, with a total you know, on your journal, and that can go hit the customer and vendor ledger, sub-ledgers, so you still have some of that in history, and, and that's easier, more work than just some of those GL balances, but you can still use those journals to, to populate some of those details, and you can always do that later. You can start doing it in phases. You know, you start off with nothing, and then, you know, once a month, you, you will spend some time and, and load some more transactions, for instance. You don't have to do it all at once. Um, the other option is to do everything, every single document that you ever posted with every single detail, and that obviously is a lot more work. You can load using configuration pack sorry, rapid start, multiple configuration packages. You can use those to load your headers and lines separately, and then you could do all that detail. But then you just have to keep in mind, um, if you're hitting inventory and things like that, you also have to duplicate all the inventory transactions, what was bought, what was sold, what was credited. So you're talking about a significant effort in getting all this information done. Now, we do have uh, some people doing that, and so it is doable, but it is a lot of work, and you just have to you know, be aware that it is a lot of work, and there's a lot of room for error, and so forth. So it's um, not something we normally recommend unless you really, really need it. You're out sending AP and AR invoices again and, and the inventory on hand. 
it's not history. It's just what's available, and you're just going to use journals for that. You're going to use a general journal for the outstanding AP and AR. And on the inventory, you're going to use an item journal. So, for example, if you are using item tracking, such as lot numbers and or serial numbers, uh, you need to keep that in mind. That makes everything more involved. Your journal is going to have to have, I don't know, on the item journal, when you're loading up the beginning balances for inventory, they all have to have those lot or serial numbers. And then every single transaction has to have that. And there's no real easy way to load those automatically. Generally, you have to load those by hand. There are some ways, but they don't always work using uh, some of the temp tables. So just something to be aware of. If you're going to use that, you have to allot time to do so. Training and testing. So when I first got into map space, it was very much on on site training. I got I went to Atlanta and I did my develop my basic training, my developers training, my implementation training with somebody. And Microsoft has gone away from all that and now they have your online videos in the Microsoft eLearning portal. It's learn.microsoft.com and that's free uh, learning for end users. There's also a partner training portal that has more in-depth stuff. And uh, they want you to do that. And that's uh, honestly a really good approach. You go through those videos, they go through all the basics, entering orders, customers, vendors, everything. Uh, some of the older videos with the Belgian gentlemen have not been replaced with newer ones that apply to VC specifically. I have had very few complaints on those. Some people do complain, but generally speaking, not an issue. So it's very good or it's very important that you start that process, even if you're in the nav space moving to BC, that you get you are aware of some of the differences. The screens are going to look very different because there is no role pillar client in BC. Right now, in the on-prem version, they're using the Dynamics nav client, so it's very similar to the nav 2018 client, but as of next year, RTP goes away, it'll only be the web client. Everything is going to be web clients. So it's going to look like BC SAS. Everything is web. So there are limitations with web that you don't have on an RTC, and there are limitations with RTC you didn't have back in the old classic client. So there is a learning curve. It's not horrible, but it is there. I've been using it for a year and a half, so I don't notice it as much. But in the beginning, there was definitely a lot of uh, differences. But now, as time has gone on and Microsoft has updated the um, the changes or updated the interface to more closely match what the, the old platform become easier. For instance, you, if you wanted to copy a full a bunch of lines, you'd have to do shift control C and press control C just copied the field that you were on. Now they've changed that and there's no shift control C and control C copies the whole line or lines you have selected. So it looks you know, it's a little more like you used to you used to have in the old RTC. So they are listening to people. They are making changes, which is very good news. So, but we're still, if there's, it's not quite the RTC, and it never will be because you are using web clients. Okay, so next thing to keep in mind, that training and testing is also going to minimize the usage errors and need for corrections later on. Uh, if you are coming from the nav space, there's less of a learning curve because the Screens are all called the same. Uh, you don't have that main, that departments page 
for the, the navigation pane, those are gone. So everything, you have a, a bar at the top that has the, the, main, the main areas like your you know, financial and sales and purchasing and so forth. Um, and then you can search for everything and that's the easiest way to get to something. There's a little magnifying glass, which they turn to a light bulb, depending which version you're on. And you sur- use that to search, you know, type as you go. You don't have to type the whole thing to find it. It's very convenient. So the more accustomed to the interface and how things are, you're going to minimize your support calls. You're going to minimize usage errors and need for correction. It's very important. Uh, you also, as you're going along, if you're coming from a different system, you get to see how the system operates in contrast to your current system. So you can make sure that your requirements are going to be met. And you can talk to your partner about, okay, I'm coming from GP where I had this. How do I do that in BC? So you look at those ahead of time. So when the time comes, you can explain to your users and minimize the, the learning curve. Uh, also, if you're very familiar with your testing and your training, when you do your testing, when you go live, you will find less errors in production, obviously. And obviously, you're going to get gain confidence in using the new system. So uh, we generally provide UET scripts that are we got back from our you know nav days, and we've adapted that to uh, BC. But it's up to you. Only you, as the end user, know your day-to-day activities, know what your system does and needs to do. So it's it's on you, really. I cannot stress this enough. Testing is most importantly done by you. We as a partner or your partner can only test so much. They don't know your system as well as you do. Okay, so the go-live steps we normally go through, uh, especially on larger systems or larger moves, you're going to have your UAT script sign-off. So you said, yes, I've done all this. It worked fine. And any errors that were found were documented and and sent for correction. You're going to pick your go live date. Normally, Friday, you know, after close of business, you uh, go through all these steps creating a live company, migrating the test company, uh, steps of production. And on the, when you're dealing with a staff, BC, everything is companies inside that same tenant. So you have a little amount of companies. You also have a sandbox, but the sandbox is usually for development because the sandbox is on a different version than oftentimes than your system. Like when Microsoft rolls out an update, your sandbox gets updated long before your live environment gets updated. Also, there are some restrictions for dealing with, not restrictions, but idiosyncrasies when you're dealing with extensions. If you're writing an extension in AL code, which is the new version of CAL code, and then in Visual Studio code. And when you're uploading that, or debugging it in your sandbox, you have to debug it in your sandbox. You can't do that the same way in a live company, uh, but the extension numbering is different between one and the other and what each accepts. So it's something to be aware of when you get around to that. Um, okay, so then any changes to your master file since the UAT has been done, uh, you have to update all those files, the beginning balances, all that stuff, unless it's all that kind of entry. You're going to have to update all the files that you use during UAT, during testing, during setup, um, and then update those for live. Make sure everything is going to be captured in there. And then you can load uh, your beginning balances, your OpenAP, OpenAR inventory, and any other open documents that you need in your system as of that go live date. 
So if you're coming from a different system, some of the things to be aware of is, like I said, you can post to a closed period in BC and in NAV. You're restricted by date. So you have two places, which is your general ledger setup and your user setup, where you specify what posting range any given user can post. As users, it's individual by user. The general ledger, it's generic for the company. So normally, what you do is, or the best practices, I should say, is to have the general ledger set up, have the date range for the normal user, so the current month. So, you know, first of the month, the last of the month, uh, in that, in there. And then for the specialized users that are in the accounting department that need to close the closed prior period, on their individual user setup, you would put a different date range so they can continue posting the prior period. So at the beginning of the month, you would do the setup and you change it uh, accordingly. Um, there are in year end closed procedures in BC. Those are month end procedures we recommend. Uh, there's a, Microsoft has a, a checklist. You can get a hold of me if you want to get that. Your partner should have that as well, if you're, especially if you're coming from a different system. But things such as posting inventory cost to GL, um, posting any, um, uh, any differences like that. And those are things you, excuse me, <clears throat> you should be running on a monthly basis anyways. You want to post uh, all those differences into your GL and then close your monthly period, close your accounting period, things of that nature. Uh, it's important to, to get those done. Um, and I can explain why if you, later on if you have a question. Uh, dimensions, again, they're just tags. You can put it on any document, whether it's a journal, whether it's a sales order, whether it's a purchase order. It's all uh, can be taggable, and that means you can then filter your chart of accounts or your account schedule, which is your financial reporting, with those tags to get different perspectives. You can use that to have a balance sheet or P&L by department, for instance. Uh, just make sure you understand that. Direct posting to GL accounts. If you're coming from a different system other than NAV, you, the direct posting is something that it's a checkbox on your GL, card, GL account card, which lets you, from a journal, post directly to that GL or from a sales order, et cetera. You can do items, resources, and GL accounts, for instance. If you're charging something that's not an inventory item or shipping or something like that, you can do it straight to a GL. But for any account that has a related subledger, you want to make sure you turn that off. In, uh, in items, customers, vendors, you always want to uncheck those because if not, you're going to run out of balance between your subledger and your ledger. So, and then it, it can be painful to find that difference. So, always keep your master record subledgers, the GL accounts should have direct posting turned off. And generally, you want to use the appropriate journal for the appropriate transaction. The general journal generally is for corrections. If you're doing sales, use a sales journal, or purchases for purchase journal for purchases, or a payment journal for paying vendors, and so forth. So, receive journal to receive uh, payments from a customer. And those journals, it's, it's underlining the same. The, the underlying table is the same no matter what the journal, but each journal has got the fields showing that you will need for that type of transaction and it makes sure that you know there's less confusion and uh, less errors so 
very, very recommended course of action. Um, so also permission versus roles. So your role center in BC is, or NAV, is essentially that main dashboard, main screen you come to. And it has, and you can customize these in BC, you can add, remove things to your heart's content, that's called personalized, and it only changes your interface and no one else's. And permissions are your right to do something, to read, write, uh, any table or page in the system. So on BC SAS, it offers you the business manager role, uh, set of permissions, the permissions group. You can customize that. You can add, remove to your heart's content. Uh, super is the uh, admin rights permission. You want to be careful to not give people that less than what they're doing. But um, anyway, it's important to see the difference. Your role is going to be the first screen when you come to and what shows up on there by default, whether you're a clerk or in, or in the warehouse or CEO or a salesperson. And then the permissions is what lets you read, write, and circle from the different tables. Okay. Um, filtering. So there are some differences between NAV and BC. One of the most notable ones is that you cannot filter on an option set more than one value at a time. In NAV, you used to be able to separate those with vertical bars, type them in, vertical bar, type the next one, and you could include multiple ones. As, as of right now, <clears throat> excuse me, in BC, you can't do that. You can only pick one option value. Okay, so, um, I don't know, customer, vendor, <clears throat> excuse me, if you're looking at contacts and things like that, or uh, item type, you can only do one at a time um, because of the way the web interface is designed. Companies. So companies, like I was saying earlier, on BC SAS, you have an infinite number of them that your license includes. I have not found any limit. I have a customer that has like 20, and you can just have as many as you like. You have a consolidation company, multiple companies. You have multiple separate companies. It is entirely up to you. These are not limited. You use a copy function to create those. You can search on companies and copy your current production into a test environment. That's the most common use for me. Uh, and I show my customers, and I always recommend you put test and then the date at the end. So test, company name, and then date, so you know when that snapshot was taken, so you don't get lost. Um, but you have that ability. There's no backup ability. Your backups are done by Microsoft and managed by Microsoft. Your data is in Azure, is replicated on three data centers. So if one goes down, like the whole continent goes down, you generally have two other continents backing it up. But it should be transparent to you. You should not notice anything going. If some one of the data centers goes down, you shouldn't notice that you're a different data center. Your addresses don't change and your, your URL. Um, okay, reporting. There are two main ways of reporting in Business Central. Most invoices, work orders, that type of stuff is all done in Word, which anybody can do. Uh, it's a little tougher in Mac, and I'll touch more about that in a minute. Um, but uh, Word report, you just open up in Word. You need to have your developer's pane uh, showing up, and then there's an XML pane, and that gives you all the fields that are available for that 
table for that report. You cannot modify those. Whatever Microsoft decided to give you is all the fields you have access to. You can add and delete to your heart's content. It's a Word document. You can format any way you want. Pretty simple, easy to learn. RDLC reports is the report la definition language that Microsoft uses uh, for SSRS and those types of reports. Some reports are written in that, and there's a page where you can see all those, what formats are available and what report that is, and you can add your own, uh, customize your own reward report or RDLC report. And with RDLC, you have more power. You can specify the fields you want, et cetera, even if they're not available in the word report. You do need a developer who knows how to do it. It is not for the faint-hearted. Don't recommend it. It takes a lot longer to develop a report in RDLC than in a word report. So just keep that in mind. Uh, for RDLC, you can use Report Builder. It's a free tool. Let you do uh, all the all that stuff, moving fields around, adding, deleting, etc. Kind of like Visual Studio, it's just a little more simplified version of it. You can also use Visual Studio if you're familiar with that. Um, and that's it. Okay. So edit in Excel. Again, back to the Mac. I have certain a couple of customers that do use Macs, and they are limited in the edit in Excel. Uh, they can still export to Excel, they can use configuration packages, but editing in Excel doesn't work very well on a Mac. Um, so just something to be aware of, but what that function is, just like in Nav, if you're coming from a different system, you can take a journal, click the edit in Excel button, it's gonna open up an Excel file, you type what you want, there's a little add-on that you have to install when you first do it, you hit publish, and that pushes that information, the changes into BC, whether it is your part numbers, whether it is your um, customers, vendors, or a journal, you can edit in Excel for all that. So it makes, you, know, you can copy and paste from another system, for instance, or you know, take an ADP and copy and paste into that and then upload. So it's an alternative to using Rapid Start without going through all the all the screens to get to Rapid Start, which if you're trying to use BC, now that we're rolling onto that, you want to search for configuration packages or config pack, config something like that for shorthand, and then you create one or using the existing ones where you list the tables and fields, export that to Excel, make your changes, upload, apply, and then you have it all in there. And if Excel is just directly into Excel from whatever table you're on or whatever screen you're on. Um, but again, on Mac, not so workable. Okay, so a couple of things for those coming from another system other than Nav is Danglish. It's some of these names are different than might, what might be called in your system. A posting group is essentially a shorthand for posting. So you're telling you're using it to give yourself versatility in selecting where to post different kinds of transactions. So depending on what customer type you have, or vendor type you have, uh, item, or so forth, you, you can specify what GL accounts to hit. Now by default, if you create a production company uh, with BC SaaS, everything is done, all the basic stuff is done. You can just roll up your customers, your vendors, and your items, and your chart of accounts. If, you chart, if you're using the default chart of accounts, you're pretty much good to go, okay? And, but you can use these posting groups to modify that to give yourself more ability to configure. So like I was saying earlier, if you want to break out your item by different types of item categories and you want them to have different GL accounts, 
you create a different item posting group or inventory posting group, and then you assign it to different item categories. So then you're breaking it up by that. You can also have domestic versus uh, foreign vendors or customers. And if you want to you know, hit different GL accounts based on that, uh, that's what those are for. It's very central to the way to be seen afterwards. You also have purchase invoices. I guess they're called notes in other systems. It's just a what it says. It's a document for your purchasing, so like a PO. But the interesting thing is that on what I'm at, it's not so much terminology, but the way it works. You have sales orders, sales invoices, purchase order, purchase invoices, and then you have posted purchase order, purchase invoices, and posted sales invoices. What does that mean? So if you're not coming from the nav space. A purchase order versus a purchase invoice, the difference is you're going to ship a um, purchase order or a sales order, and you're not going to ship a purchase invoice. So if it's someone picking it up in, you know, at your store, uh, then you don't need to ship it. You can just use a purchase invoice, depending on also if your business just deals with that type of stuff, then you could use a purchase invoice versus a purchase order. It's just the number of steps. So it's basically the same table. The screen looks slightly different. And when you post, you only have an option. You don't have an option to ship and then invoice or receive and then invoice. You just post it and invoice it. Uh, item charges is something I don't know other systems if they were if they have something similar, but an item charge is something like duties or freight that you want to distribute among items in a purchase order or sales order. So if you buy some inventory from China and it costs you 100 bucks to to ship you can add that as an item charge and then you can decide how you want to spread that value according to the items that are on on the purchase order whether by quantity or by price there's different ways of doing it okay and that's what an item charge is for uh, account schedule is just the language because nav was originally Danish software uh, for financial reports and they're very powerful, very customizable. You can use those dimensions on there and your GL accounts. And uh, there's some that come out of the box with Business Central. And there are two fields, account category and subcategory, on your startup accounts, your GL, where you specify assets, liabilities, and then subcategories. And then that will be used in generating your balance sheet, your, P, your income statement. Uh, and a couple others automatically. So you don't have to create your own as long as those things are tagged properly. Uh, you just have to regenerate or regenerate your financial statements and those that are start with M or I get generated automatically by BC. So if you're adding accounts, et cetera, you just have to rerun that one function and then all your reports will be updated with that information. So very, very powerful. And you can always export that to Excel as well like everything else. Okay, so if you're coming from the nav space, BC uh, has pretty much the same functionality. There are a couple of things by being, especially if you're dealing with the SaaS version, that are a little easier to deal with with SaaS. For instance, if you're going from QuickBooks to online to BC SaaS, then the the migrations is very easy. You know, you just have to go do some correction afterwards. But essentially, you run it, and it picks up everything from QuickBooks and copies it directly without you having to do much other than going and correcting some of the transactions afterwards. So 
but there is a difference, obviously, from on-prem versus SaaS. So if you're coming from a different system, jobs are essentially your pro uh, financial projects or tracking your projects financially, so project accounting, essentially. Your service management is tracking you will have an item, a unique item that you are tracking what work is being done for. So a laptop or uh, expensive watch, something you know that has value that is an individual unit that you are giving a, a contract and so forth to then service it. Advanced warehousing gives you uh, intelligent warehousing features such you know bins and uh, different locations and different you know shelving inside locations inside each bin. You can specify, you know, assign certain bins for certain types of products, all kinds of things you can do, um, picking and receiving, all that kind of stuff, using scan guns, all that. Manufacturing, you're converting a bunch of items to a specific one. It gets very complicated with formulas and all, that, all the steps to achieve a particular item, all that can be represented as manufacturing. Uh, OCR and ICS, so there is a, a document, PDF, normally it's PDF in Excel, you send it to a service and it will convert that into a sales order or a purchase order. You see it in an email, this is the system you subscribe to, I forget what the pricing is, but you can receive these, send those over to the system, and it'll return back and it'll create actual documents inside of DC. So there's less typos and so forth. Uh, ACH, positive payment bank integration. Um, ACH is not out of the box. You have to configure it, something uh, with positive pay and bank statement integration. That part, you can now, using the Yodely service, connect with a bunch of banks so you can download your statements and do your bank recs much easier. Um, but you can do all this functionality. So your ACH is your positive pay. It's, uh, it's not that complicated. Uh, extensions, like I mentioned, there's a whole app store for it. Uh, GPSL, C5, and QB migration are Microsoft-specific ones. There's others that come with default, like image analysis, where you upload a picture for an item, and the extension will calculate what item it is, color, all that kind of information. We'll try to gather that from the image. Um, important to be aware that some of those sometimes do malfunction, so if you're getting a crazy error message that keeps logging you out of the system, it's, uh, it could be the image analysis, and there's another one I don't remember exactly off the top of my head um, without seeing it, that have caused problems in the past. I think that they've fixed it now, but some people are not. If you're not using it, uh, you can disable that, and then it's not an issue. Okay. So integration with Power BI. If you buy a license of DC, you have Power BI, the free version, which lets you automatically upload data once a day. You can upload manually as much as, or refresh manually as much as you like, but if you want multiple updates per day automatically, that is one of the professional subscriptions you're going to need. And that takes all your, and there are some packages for PC that Microsoft have developed, so you can use those by default and then add, modify all your stuff. Same thing, integration with 365 CRM, not called customer engagement. There's a built-in functionality for integration. You can only do those things, you can decide if it's unidirectional, bidirectional, to specify which ones you don't want to synchronize. But if you want anything more than that, then you have to go use a uh, third party uh, for that. Uh, 
and there's one that we're using called Smart Connect that works pretty good. Um, web services is a way of integrating BC with your other apps, especially if they're online apps. You're using SOAP or OData connections, and you can read, write to and from BC. You've got to push or pull from your system or from BC. You decide which way you want to do it. Uh, configuration packages I already talked about, and then the extensions add-ons is basically the same thing. So you're dealing with a system that is very low maintenance, and all the IT stuff is done in the cloud by Microsoft for you. So the replication, all that, all the maintenance, it's all in their hands. So it's it's very it's good for what it for what it is for sure. And at this point, uh, I know I went pretty fast. I don't know if there's any particular questions anybody has. I'd be happy to answer them. Okay, I'm peeking here. We don't have any questions posted yet. I'll give it just a moment, and I'm peeking to see here under the attendees if anyone is raising your hand. Click on the little hand icon if you have a question you'd like to verbalize, or type it in the GoToWebinar question box. We'll give it here just a minute. Thanks so much for repeating this session. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And just to, to give you an idea, Microsoft are putting a lot of effort into BC. SAS especially, uh, the on-prem uh, as well, but not as much as the, as the SAS. They're putting a, uh, putting a lot of effort into making it as close as possible to the old MAV system, uh, except giving more web uh, technology. And we have a lot of customers on there. Everyone's pretty much very happy with it. The, even some NAV people are moving over, especially those for which NAV was a bit overkill. They find that BC is, um, you know, more affordable in terms of the licenses and just you know easier to deal with. And you have all the same ability to modify that you did before, except everything is done with extensions, which means you don't modify the base code, which means you don't have your crazy updates and upgrades to deal with. And if there's no questions yet, I would also like to point out that you can go from NAV to BC SAS the, if you want to. You can go, you have to upgrade to BC on-prem, and then from on-prem to SAS, Microsoft have a connector that do that migration. And Thanks for sharing that. We don't have any questions now, but keep in mind, you can always jump out to navig.com. If you think of a question after you hang up the line today, go out there in the open forum and post it. And folks like Val, your peers, they, they look at those each and every day and are always quick to respond. It's fun to see the community collaborating out there in that open forum. Well, Val, I think we'll end today's session. Okay, great. Thank you, everybody. And like, like you said, if you have any questions, just uh, give us a holler and we'd be happy to help. Appreciate that so much. Enjoy the rest of your day, all. Hope to see you on another webinar real soon, and bye for now.